Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Conversations with Love. Please welcome, please welcome Ruth Cherry who will lead us in a meditation to begin the show today. Good morning, I'm Ruth. Let's let our eyes close. For a minute, we'll breathe. We notice our easy inhales and our easy exhales. We don't think about breathing, we allow the breath. We notice the easy rhythm of the breath. And our breath pulls our attention deeper inside. We notice the thoughts that run through our head, but we don't think them. We just notice them. We notice the feelings that move through our heart. We don't identify with them, we just notice them. We notice what it is to be ourselves this second.
no matter what is, we stay in our observer, we just notice. Our in-breath carries our attention even deeper inside. We simply be. We be and we breathe and we focus on this second. And with our hearts and our minds open, we let our out breath pull our attention up, coming back, becoming more alert, and we let our eyes open whenever they're ready. Thank you, Ruth. My name's Lee Culver Richards, and welcome everyone to Conversations with Love to Inspire Joyful Action. Today, I have the great privilege to have many wonderful, mighty hearts here to hear Nobel Peace Prize nominee Dr. Scylla Elworthy. Dr. Elworthy and I met in San Francisco in 2017 when she was opening her Business Plan for Peace book. Scylla is three times Nobel Peace Prize nominee for her work with the Oxford Research Group to develop effective dialogue between nuclear weapons policymakers worldwide and their critics. She now leads the Business Plan for Peace to help prevent violent conflict and build sustainable peace throughout the world. 
because it is possible. I had loaded a three-minute video that she created so you can see it and it's based on her book The Business Plan for Peace. In 2020 she just prior to the COVID-19 pandemic outbreak globally, Scylla started writing about the mighty heart. And the current crisis requires us to utilize every possible capacity of ourselves, most particularly the power of our heart. And she has a course beginning called the mighty heart to teach us how we can sustain that powerful place of peace and love and nonviolent communication. Scylla founded Peace Direct in 2002 to fund, promote, and learn from local peace builders in conflict areas. Peace Direct was voted the best new charity in 2005. She's been awarded the Nuwano Peace Prize in 2003 the Luxembourg Peace Prize in 2020, and she has been the advisor to Peter Gabriel, Archbishop Desmond Tutu of South Africa, and Sir Richard Branson in setting up the elders. Scylla has also co-founded Rising Women, Rising World in 2013 and FemQ in 2016 to establish the qualities of feminine intelligence for women and men as essential to use in building a safer work. Her TED talk on nonviolence has been used, has been viewed by over a million and a half people worldwide. Scylla is an ambassador for Peace Direct, a patron for the Oxford Research Group, advisor to the Syria Campaign and the Institute for Economics and Peace. She also advises the leadership of selected international corporations as well as students and young social entrepreneurs. Scylla is a mother, a stepmother, and a grandmother. And she loves messing about in her garden near Oxford in the UK. Scylla, welcome to Conversations with Love. Thank you. Thank you, Lee. Great to be with you. Uh, would you like me to pull up the Mighty Heart slide and you can begin to talk about the Mighty Heart? Um, let me give people a bit of a, a bit more background. Thank you for your generous introduction. Um, but really to say that I think we're entering on an era which is vastly important for the whole of humanity. Um, and just before the pandemic broke, I had a premonition that what was coming towards us was going to mean that we would need every skill that I and my colleagues and people all over the world had learned uh, in, in terms of how to transform and resolve conflict. I had no idea that it was a pandemic, but as soon as it broke, I realized that this was going to stretch us all in so many ways, um, both in terms of um, dealing with illness and, and the, sometimes the passing away of our loved ones, but also for many people losing their jobs, um, for other people being forced to stay at home uh, and all that, all the consequences of that. So it was um, 
useful and it was um, given by love to, to, to be able to sit down and write for two weeks and then get the book, The Mighty Heart, out very quickly in two months. And it equally quickly became an online course. Um, and I can tell you a bit about that. Um, but first, I just want to acknowledge all of you who are joining from different, different climates, different cultures, different parts of the world, and say what a great privilege it is to meet with you and to, and to say my gratitude for the lovely meditation we had at the beginning. Um, uh, I, th I, I feel that um, the reason why I say this is such a crucial time for humanity is because um, as we, as probably everybody on this call knows, we've stretched the resources of the planet to the limit. Um, we've abused our mother earth uh, in many terrible ways. Uh, and secondly, we have lost consciousness of how connected we are to the earth and to each other. And we've become very insular. We've become driven not by connection and fellow feeling and empathy, but by consumerism and thinking that we can make ourselves happy by buying things. And of course, all this is a, a terrible fallacy. So the time has come for us to deeply re-examine our values, our ways of living, and our ways of relating to each other, and particularly to those who are living in far more uncomfortable, often threatening uh, climates and countries and situations than those of us um, in, 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 the, in the West. I'm thinking particularly of what's happening in Afghanistan this very day and how terrifying it is <clears throat> for many Afghans who feel that they would have been protected by our military and the American military for the services they had given and they have not been protected and their lives and the lives of their families are in danger. So very much thinking of them. So Lee, back to the mighty heart. Um, what we did was to uh, make a, uh, a synopsis and a progression for an online course that would outline 10 different key skills. So Lee, if you care to put that slide up that you kindly selected, um, it will show us um, the, the way that the course unfolds. Um, it's meant to, to lead us through this journey to learn and to apply these critical, what you might call soft skills that are needed for the times we're going through. And so it connects the power of our heart that very often we're not so aware of as the power of our brain. It connects the power of the heart to the rational logic of the mind. And this gives us a toolbox of skills 
for compassionate leadership. And if you were to participate in the course, there's a, an open course beginning very shortly on the 7th of September, and we still have a few places left. Participants will come away trans, transformed themselves and able to transform inner and outer conflict. Because we firmly believe that um, we have to do the inner work just as our meditation would have shown us in order to be able to have the resources to take action on the issues that matter out there in the world and to be of real service to uh, not just clients and constituencies, but to our immediate environment, to our families, to our workplace, to our friends. So let me just run through the modules for you so that you get a feeling of what this course could give you if you wanted to join. We start with passion and we start with asking people the question, what breaks your heart? Because it's there when you know what it is, whether it's looking after refugees, whether it's wounded animals, whether it's uh, ill people or looking after older people, whatever breaks your heart is where your energy is for change. So we ask people to identify what breaks their heart and then to say, what are your skills? Because if you can identify your skills and apply those to what breaks your heart, then you have your life path, if you like, your mission in life. And many people listening to this this course, this broadcast of Lee's will already have discovered that. And then we go into the kind of skills that many people think they already know, like listening. Many of us think we're good listeners. So we, we check that out. We say, well, really, how good a listener are you? And we give people working in, in groups online uh, an exercise to do with two colleagues to really check out how good a listener you are and to therefore be able to learn the skills of real listening. Why? I'll tell you why. Because in an argument, what we assume with our brain is I'm right and you're wrong. And that leads to more and more conflict. Um, and when we can move to really listening to that person, really listening so carefully that we could repeat back to them what they just said and vice versa, that's when we can drop down to the heart that says, instead of I'm right and you're wrong, the heart says, oh my goodness, is that how you feel? And then we've got a bridge over which we can reach or move to understanding. So then I go on into this, the third module, which is nonviolent communication. And many of you will be familiar with that and the fabulous skills it leads us through, through ob observing what's going on in our lives um, and then observing our feelings and then observing our needs and finally what we would request. It's a wonderful methodology for, again, resolving or transforming conflict. 
And then number four module is actually, I think it's one of my favorites because I've had a raging inner critic ever since I was a child. And, you know, when I ask a, a hall full of people, 300 people, if anybody in that room does not have an inner critic, nobody raises their hand. So it's, it's a phenomenon. Everybody has one, even if we call it imposter syndrome or something like that. So this module gives you really extraordinary capacity to tame your inner critic. Because most of us push the inner critic, you know, that voice that mutters on our shoulder, you're not good enough, or you've made a terrible mistake, or you're going to fall flat on your face. Most people push that away. But what we do is learn to open a dialogue with that inner critic, and ultimately to make it an ally, which is a great secret to have your inner critic as an ally. My inner critic has always been a fire-breathing dragon. And now he's my main helper and aid. And then we move on to anger and cleaning it, because when you project your anger out onto an individual, that can inflame the whole conflict, that really uh, can ignite terrible feelings. So what we have to do when we feel angry is to put our anger in our internal engine, like putting it into our carburetor, like, a, like an engine, because that's when it will, will drive us forward, when it, it will enable us to get up tomorrow morning and do what we need to do and do it again if necessary. So then we're able to move on to developing presence. And this is where Lee wanted to introduce the story that begins my book that was called, um, it was the book that came before The Mighty Heart. And it was called The Business Plan for Peace. And I began that book with a story of a young US Lieutenant Colonel who was leading a patrol in Iraq just after the invasion of Iraq in 2003, when you still could lead a foot patrol through a street. And out of the houses and mosques on either side of the street came a mass of people shouting and screaming in Arabic, furiously angry. And these young US soldiers didn't speak Arabic, had no clue what was going on, and they were scared. Chris Hughes, with tremendous presence, lifted his weapon above his head, pointed it at the ground and strode into the throng and gave his men an order they had never heard in their lives before, kneel. And they wobbled to the ground in their heavy, body armor in their helmets and their backpacks and pointed their weapons into the ground. And the whole crowd grew silent. And after about two or three minutes, everybody went home. So a massacre was avoided either way. It could have been lynching and it could have been a terrible shooting. And what that young Lieutenant Colonel knew was that most anger and conflict is provoked by humiliation. And the best antidote to humiliation is respect. So we carried that forward through the course because it's so vital. 
And then we go on through the modules of growing and using your ability for your intuition to inform your decisions. Um, over a long lifetime, I've found that when I ignored my intuition, I've made the worst mistakes of my life. And when we can learn to identify and use our intuition properly, it's invaluable. And then we take a, our cue from a wonderful institute in California called the HeartMath Institute. And they help us to build the capacity of our mighty heart to learn how many more messages the heart sends to the brain than the brain sends to the heart and how powerfully the heart communicates over distance. The US Navy now use it to communicate between their forces, their forces in, in port and their forces far away. And finally, we move on to the penultimate module, which is taking a stand, because most of us need at some point to stand up and say something which isn't very popular, which may anger our superior or our boss, but we have to gather the strength to deliver that important message and we have to find the right way to do it. So this module trains us to do that in a way that will really get a positive response instead of simply antagonizing people. And the last module, the last module, which means a lot to me, is uh, signing off by letting everybody on the course know how important is their service to the world. If you like, the mantra of the last century was, what can I get? And the mantra of this century has to be, what can I give? So that feeling of being in service to a world in deep trouble, environmentally, health-wise, and in so many other ways, um, it's vitally important that we all offer our gifts, our training, and our love to be in service. So Lee, I'll pause there and you can take the slide down and we can open up a bit of discussion if you would like. That would be lovely. Um, is there anyone who has any questions at this time? You can just unmute yourself to ask, or you can put it in the chat and I will deliver it to Scylla. While we're waiting for questions, I'd like to uh, also introduce uh, someone to you who um, is, I know, very grateful for the prayer for Afghanistan you brought forth. Her name is Kat Parenti. She is the author of Afghanistan, a memoir from Brooklyn to Kabul. And her daughter, Grandma Chandra, who is Afghan, um, her father was killed in one of the Soviet bombings. And I um, would like you to speak with her first while we wait for others in the audience to come through. So Kat, if you could unmute yourself and come on. 
Can you hear me? Yes. Um, yes, hello. How are you? Hi, how are you? <laughs> I've been really looking forward to this. <laughs> oh, that is so great, Silla. I love what you have done and many blessings to you. Well, to you too, Kat, and I I really think of you in terms of your experience in Afghanistan and look forward to seeing your book. Thank you. Okay, so very briefly, um, I lived in Afghanistan on and off for 20 years. I was there through the Soviets, the, the Mujahideen Wars, the rise of the Taliban. And I, this is actually a two volume set, Afghanistan, a memoir from Brooklyn to Kabul. And the first is all the joy and the pleasure and the wonder and the happiness and the love. And the second is all the grief and the horror of the Soviets, and then, of course, the Mujahideen and the rise of the Taliban. So um, what's happening currently? Okay, I have to back up and tell you this. My daughter is extremely psychic, and she has her own business. And for about a year, I've been trying to do something with Afghanistan. I contacted various organizations that help women and girls, well, this organization didn't have the technology. Okay, move on. This organization, something else. Something, nothing worked out for a whole year. And I was so frustrated. And I went to Chandra about, I don't know, six or eight weeks ago. And I said, why is it that nothing I want to do is working out? And she said, because you are not supposed to be sending any money over there. And I said, why not? And she said, because the Taliban are going to take over. What happened? The Taliban took over. I wrote an article, you guys can see it on Facebook, whatever, I'm not gonna go into that. The reasons that they were able to take over so quickly. Anyway, I've spent years studying the culture, the politics, the history, the religion, and I love these people. I wanna help them and now, in the past 48 hours, I have been messaged by Afghans that I know inside Afghanistan begging me to help get them out. So I want to do something about this. What I want to do is connect them to various organizations that are involved in this kind of work. And that was one of the reasons I told Lee I want to attend this, and besides Scylla, of course, but I want to attend this meeting and let people know that we are bound and determined to help get those who wish outside of Afghanistan. Some of them that approached me have worked for organizations, so that's leading them to the various places that they can get the special visas to get them out of there. Others have not worked with American or European organizations, but they want out. And this is why I'm thinking like, what can we do as a group? What are your thoughts? I too want what Sola wants. I want questions. What are you thinking? Who are you? Are you like, I know who Scylla is obviously, but some of you guys, I don't know. Some of you, I do. Um, 
and what do you think we could do? I have, uh, again, I can broadcast email this to you guys later. I'm not going to go up, go around it now, but there are organizations that can help. So um, don't want to reinvent the wheel, but want to get direct help to these people as much as we can. And that's always been my thing. I was director of the Afghanistan Foundation. I did humanitarian aid when the Soviets were there inside Afghanistan, as well as in the refugee camps in Pakistan. I worked with the Intergovernmental Committee for Migration. I brought wounded resistance fighters here to Arizona for free medical treatment, not on the public's back from the doctor's own pockets and patch them all up and send them back home again to fight, which they wanted to do. They wanted to fight the Soviets. So I've been involved in this stuff for a long time. I've interviewed the commanders of the Seven Alliance Party before everything went down the tube, so to speak. So I have a vast experience in this area and I wanna use it to help. And right now it's people getting out of a very intense situation. Thank you, Scylla, for allowing me to take a part of this program. Well, can I congratulate you on enormous contribution that you've made to that country. And um, I feel just listening to you that you have an enormous knowledge and wherewithal of uh, organizations that are active both inside Afghanistan and outside. Um, and I think you already know the makings of the right kind of plan much, much better than I do because I've never been there. I know people who work there like yourself, but I feel that you will know, um, especially if you consult your inner voice, your heart, it will tell you, your intuition will tell you. All I know from the news is that going to the airport is very dangerous and um, unlikely to enable people to get on a plane. They need the right documentation. They need tickets. They're very in short supply. Yes. My feeling from friends I know in Pakistan is that it may be much better not to stay in Kabul, but to try to get to the border with Pakistan and try to get through there because I'm feeling that may be easier, less fortified, less militarized, but I don't know that. So I don't want you to prescribe that without using your intelligence on the ground to check out if that's a viable plan. Well, I totally agree. And that was one of my thoughts, Stella, and I do have to check it out. However, also the Central Asian stands, quote unquote, and especially for the minority groups, the Shias and yes, the Hazaras, and those people, yes, that would be another temporary refuge until they find out which end is up. Some of them would even choose to go to Iran, although you know the Afghans are not like that. They're not into rigidity. Taliban rigidity or Irani rigidity. So probably the stands and yes, Pakistan, yes. Great, well, I'm totally in respect of your experience and your knowledge. And I feel you have within you the makings of a viable plan. 
that you can put into action with anybody else on this call who feels like helping. Thank you so much. I've put in the chat, everyone, a link to this recording and this session on the Mighty Network, which is not public. It's well, it's public, but it's not a Facebook or social media type. You can only get there if you've got links. There's a link there. If any of you, you want to just click on it so that you can start a conversation with Kat and deliver to her any of your ideas that you might be able to give her to support her in this really important work. Thank you, Kat Parenti, for coming to Conversations with Love. Thank you, Lee. Um, so no one has else has put in anything in the chat. Um, so I'd like to go to India because they've been waiting. It's very late there now to Gupreet Singh, who is building uh, schools in rural north where he is born and his family is from that have no schools for 10 miles of radius. And Gupreet, if you could um, unmute yourself and come on and share with Scylla the program that your mighty heart is delivering to your folks in India. Thank you, Lee. Thank you, Scylla, for allowing me to be the part of such a beautiful thing now. I wasn't, I don't know, I'm new to this, right? And um, Rupa here, who you all know maybe as your soul sister and soul family, right? So Rupa spoke about a soul family and today I see how a soul family looks like, how it feels when people talk from their heart and what people do for the world. So love, you've done such amazing work. So, wow, beautiful. And what Lee is doing again, getting all of us together here and uh, getting us to talk about our vision. Now again, getting down to this vision. Um, um, I'm just a child. I'm just a channel is what I tell Lee, what I tell Rupa and what I'm telling Scylla and all of you today that um, this is not my vision. This was my father's vision. I lost him um, two and a half years ago, just before the pandemic um, came over us. So, um, so who was he? He was a healer. He was a provider to his big family and you know, India is a continent, there are people below poverty line, right? And that where, that's where my father came from. That's where he rose from, right? And uh, he can go to a school, right? So, but he made sure that his children, his family, his brothers, you know, they go to the school and he just wanted to be the provider to everybody, right? And that's what he shared with me, Gurpreet. This is what I want you to do as well. You know, I would be in distress. I would go to him and I say, hey, dad, listen, you know what? I feel like giving up in life. And he's like, hey, in Hindi, we say it, you know, so that's what he told me, you know, don't think about anything. Just go, you know, I know good is coming your way, right? So what am I doing here is I'm just um, painting his vision into a picture of Anand Van the name of the place which we are coming together with this Anand one, right? And again, this idea of Anand one also came while we were cooking. So probably 
just this has to be very very brief so i'm just not going to get into those details but what is anandvan you know my father always wanted to provide education you know to everybody right i mean no nobody should be deprived of education and i happened to have this place you know which which is in my hometown you know where there are no good school in the let's say 10 kilometers diameter right and there are so many kids who are going through an education system you know which is not up to the mark so what i want to do is i want to provide a land a place for all of us to come and paint that canvas together right to you know to just transform a few people a few pupils you know a few children you know change their lives and um, yeah and we do all of this without um taking anything from them all we want is the kids to come to to us you know be with us for 7 to 8 hours and go back you know and go back maybe becoming a becoming something else right so rupa Hello. Hello. Um, what I'd like to add to this, Anand One means blissful forest. Uh, I I hated it at school. <laughs> I simply hated it at school. Uh, never fitted in, and um, one of the things that Sela mentioned about the course was what was it that really Pulled at my heart, and it is the children, you know, and what I went through as a child. And uh, when Gurpreet came up with this idea, you know, it was it was a blessing. It was something that I felt very deeply within. It was a vision that was given to me that I work with children, although I do not have the qualifications. Um, <laughs> but I think of myself as the instrument. um this is a space uh where i can see when i look within is uh come up with something very different from the regular education system and really tap in to the potential of children and allow them to blossom naturally rather than restrict them and tell them this is right and this is wrong you know the usual kind of what i call factory system <laughs> Yes, cooling has become, <laughs> you know. So, um, yes, at this point, it is a blank canvas. I am calling in anyone who I feel uh, would be the core team, and we would be the chance to bring in the creative flow. What what is meant to happen here? and i think it's a structure i see it as a structure that can be replicated across the world mm. uh involving community involving the community in that area although they're not very uh, educated or literate but i believe that they have a huge amount of wisdom already and just tapping into it and 
feeling into it and finding a way, starting really small mm-hmm. and um, seeing where it goes. So this is our vision. <laughs> I love Thank it. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you for, for giving us the opportunity to bring this forward. I love it. I love your, your vision, Rupa. And um, what Gabriel has said is means a great deal to me as well. I imagine that what you're describing uh, in terms of the kind of education, which I totally agree with, uh, we need to liberate our children from the kind of um, performance-oriented education that they're getting now. And what you said remind me all the time of the Montessori system. Do you are you familiar with that? Yes, I am. Yeah. Well, I don't know what you think of it, but I wondered if some kind of an adapted version of that, since obviously what you're thinking about wants to be very much in touch with nature, wants to equip children with life skills rather than excessive numeracy or whatever, and also to teach children to relate. Um, with the kind of skills that you have, and Gurpreet clearly has, both of you, um, in um, being in service to the world. And if you, can, if you can teach children the skills to do that, it would be amazing. May I say something? Yes. Okay. That is exactly the type of education that my daughter had. My daughter was born severely physically handicapped from the chemical warfare of the Soviets I was exposed to when I was pregnant in Afghanistan. Her father in Afghan was killed in one of the bombings before she was born. My daughter had a so-called Montessori education. It was different ages grouped together. They were grouped by their intelligence and know-how not by their age, not by could they say A, B, C, D, E, whatever. That's one thing. The second thing, and what Scylla said is absolutely on the money, the connection with nature, growing things in the garden. They had a sheep who had a lamb. That was part of the whole thing. So this is vitally important for our children, especially today. And the other primary piece, in my opinion, is entrepreneurship. My daughter and I, my daughter is 38, and I am well over 38, but we have never worked for anyone. We've always had our own businesses. And this gives self-sufficiency, it gives pride. And believe me, we work 15 hour days. We don't go in, punch a clock at nine and punch out at five and stand around a water cooler. We have an online business, thank God. So it was not affected by the pandemic. As a matter of fact, it blew up because so many people wanted her help. Okay, so that's what I would suggest, as Scylla said, some form of Montessori, as well as the entrepreneurship to give these kids the confidence to go out in the world and make changes in whatever area they want. It doesn't matter if they're passionate they can do it. Thank you. Thank you, Sula. Thank you. Thank you. I just wanted to add that, yes, this is what we want to 
paint in that canvas, you know, to have a lamb, to have a dog, you know, um, to have a sheep, you know, to tell them about everything and experience everything, right? Plant trees and gardens, you know, so, so with experience. Now, again, so what we intend is that the teachers who teach them could be placed anywhere across the, across the globe. This is what we learned through Pantone, right? That everything can happen, education can happen through online medium, right? So our teachers can be across the globe. Whoever wants to teach them, want, wants to spend time with them, you know, to just, just shout out, you know, and um, definitely just be, be the part of the team. And uh, again, the important thing is this is located at India, in Uttar Pradesh, in Lucknow, and the name of the village is Indara. So the population of this village is around 20,000 people. So we are adopting um, um, their children from this, this village, you know, not, I would not say the entire village because again, uh, the children population is over thousand. So we can't do that. We have to start small. So probably a hundred kids and, you know, and group them as for the knowledge, the correct knowledge level, and then put them in these uh, standards, which we call first, second, third, or whatever, right? So, so that's the idea. So we want to do this, you know, for the society. If I'm able to do this for 50, again, I'm just being a channel. You're, you all are a team, right? Arupa is a team. Lee is a team. We are in this together. I mean, by listening to this, you know, you are sending me your blessings and that's your bit. And this is my bit for, for my people, you know. Uh, if I'm able to transform, let's say 50 to 100 students, you know, by goodness, and that chain reaction goes on. And I think, uh, yeah, uh, that's where I want to start um, my dad's vision with, with, within my dad's dream with. So thank you. If you thank have you. time, Gupreet, I'd like you to consider joining Scylla's Mighty Heart course. There are only a few more spaces left. And I'd really like to hear more about her ideas of how to, how you can best move your vision into action, including your community and creating that community of peaceful resourcefulness where people are respecting one another, whatever they're bringing to the table. I'd love to hear more about what Scylla has to say to you about that. And then we have a few more um, callers I'd like to introduce Scylla to and, and the projects they're doing. Um, just FYI, I put into the chat the school that we've been creating here on the, on the central coast of California called the Peace Academy. And the three pillars of compassionate leadership are self-awareness, global citizenship, social justice, and environmental stewardship. And our teaching philosophy is to foster students' sense of belonging and empower their innate ability to create beautiful things of a world in our world and for our world, basically teaching them that they have a mighty heart from the very beginning and how they can use it and implement it in the world. So please, Sela, tell um, Gurpreet and Rupa some more about their Andara school. Mm. Um, I, I think this is very relevant because um, the way that these, the, the chance and the opportunity that you can give these children and how it will be multiplied is essential. Um, one of the key things about the Mighty Heart course is that the uh, upshot of it is to build community. That is our main um, aim. And so every graduate of the 
course joins a group which goes on being in touch after the end of the 10 week course. And that enables people to build on their own project. In this case, we know what yours would be and what Rupert's would be. And it also brings people to your aid. And just one of the things that occurs to me is that one of the people on a previous course was the head of Montessori in the US. Um, and she's in touch with all the Montessori teachers who I have lectured to in the US and she might be able to help. So there's a wonderful, all the best ideas that are available in the world today are not coming from the top. They're coming from the bottom up. They are leaders of floundering. They're um, often not telling the truth. They're um, leading us in many of the wrong directions. But where the good sense is coming from is the grassroots. And that's part of the new version of the Mighty Heart that I'm writing right now today, um, is to emphasize that what you have in mind, both of you, is and a good example of grassroots development of the right kind of ideas that are going to enable our youngsters to be incredible leaders in the future. So I thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you so much. I know Lee to move on now. Sorry, thank could you. I just add one remark from a European, a Dutchie? Um, and very um, thank you for for the the passion and inspiration. And I'm very um, connected to the ideas that they use in Denmark for education, and it's uh, it has um, what I find absolutely amazing. They have for children from six to sixteen, they have one hour a day. Uh, to teach people also by example about empathy and they uh, it's not only confined to that one hour if there's a situation where people kind of get in conflict together they stop everything and they don't continue until that is somehow balanced out and if you consider that they are one of the four happiest people globally I think that is already a, a a basis for finding balance and finding, you know, listening and having compassion that I find very impressive. Yes, I agree. Mm -hmm. They call it class and which means uh, class time. So I do invite people to look at it because I think it's very promising. Very good idea. Thank you, Ellen. Thank you, Sola. Thank you. Uh, Silla, is there anything else that you'd like to offer about the course now? I have one more person in Spain, uh, Gusti Sala, who says he'd like to hear from you, but he wants to listen to you a little bit more first. So okay. I'm going to let him listen to you a little bit more first, and he can unmute himself when he's ready. Um, I have to go, unfortunately, fairly soon at the end of the hour. So um, what I'd love to say is that um, the, this upcoming course is the only open course that we'll be able to run for the next year. So if you want to join it, 
this is your opportunity. And I think there are just a few more places left. And um, it starts on the 7th of September. It runs every Tuesday at UK time, 2 until 3.30. We tried to position it so that people in Asia could also join and people in the United States and um, those to the, to the west of us. Um, and it's an hour and a half and you will work in groups during the modules, but you'll also be assigned to a group to work on the weekend between each course so that you can deepen amongst yourselves the learning. And people have found that incredibly useful. Um, the course has been taken up by various companies and they are using it to train their top executives. And this is terribly important to us because we want to get the Mighty Heart skills that include empathy, as one of you was mentioning. Um, we want to get those skills embedded in leadership teams. So we're hoping to introduce this course into business schools, even with the military, because we think that the military can really use these skills at the moment when there's a deep questioning of the use of overwhelming force at last. And so um, a wonderful document was published by um, Six Nations of NATO four years ago called Understand to Prevent. You can Google it, um, which showed how able the trained forces of NATO nations would be to prevent conflict rather than wait until it has broken out and use weapons to fight. So there is a tremendous interest on the part of the military of several nations, including Denmark, to um, use the abilities and the skills of soldiers, be they female or male, to uh, enable the prevention of conflict by understanding it better. Um, and we are very keen to support that. So I just want to drop in a few of these pieces of information for you so that if, um, if, if this is useful to you, you can join the course if you, if you hurry up and register quickly. Lee, back to you. Thank you so much. Well, we are almost, we've only got a minute left. Uh, Gusty, are you <laughs> shaking your head? He's fine. So we will uh, try again later. But um, Dr. Elworthy, thank you so much. Thank you for bringing this open source, open course, mighty heart course. Um, everything about what you've shared is inspiring and encouraging and we all need more bravery and we need to follow our hearts no doubt thank you thank you a million thank yous for being here today and you're most welcome lee and, and i thank you because i think what the work that you're doing with this kind of open discussion is absolutely on the button it's what's needed and um i i i do hope you will go on without me because uh, unfortunately, I have to go, but there, 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 there's many things that people on this call would like to say, I'm sure. So 
Uh, I'll bow out now and thank you for having me on your program. Thank you so much. Bye-bye, Sela. Bye. All right, so if there's anyone else who would like to uh, bring forth what they're doing, Augusti, would you like to come speak about FF movement now? Maybe share a little bit of that. Um, any of you who are willing to assist Kat in her work, you can uh, talk to her. I've put the Conversations with Love link up there. Uh, Augusti, do you want to come on? Great, unmute yourself and come on. Hello, everybody. Uh, thanks for organizing this. And I'm sorry, Kat, uh, I, I don't have um, uh, a way. I don't know how to help you. I would love to have a solution for you, but it's not uh, my case. Uh, precisely what uh, um, what the FF movement and uh, the absolution vision is, is precisely what it's uh, beyond the duality of the dark of the dark and the light of the entropy. Uh, when when how utopians how utopians can be possible and can be implemented. So I appreciate all the efforts in the as Silo was explaining on prevent wars and i'm pretty sure that inside the divine plan it's necessary this in order that uh, this war could end and in dissolution uh, and what what we are uh what is the in the, in the ff movement uh in the vision of absolution it's it's how to create a whole new culture where we don't have to scream anymore that we have to free the kids from the schools. So, because there is no necessary of implement new methods to teach people because everybody can live according what this course of the mighty hearts does. That is that everybody can live from intuition, then there is no schools necessary. So what we are busy is uh, how to set up a multidimensional reality, tangible, legal, inside the system that we have nowadays and available today, where people can thrive instead of prevent, fight, or fighting, where people can thrive, where people can live unconditionally, and when people can live from the heart. Because nowadays, what, what it's repeating where we go through the process of these courses, beautiful courses that now you are here encouraging is that when you do that that course we you are kick out you are kick in again inside of the hero's journey that we all are uh, doing in to go back to the entropy and try to bring your new intuition into this world that you know in, into your your home birth place into your reality and then trying to change it. But my experience in my hero's journey, it's not to change anymore the old world, it's to bring a new place for these new transformed people. Because right now there is no place in the planet for when you are doing this process of uh, 
transformation. So I was wanted to to share what we are doing, and it's uh, it's for a wall. It, it's interesting because it's the, the access point of that you can learn on the website of the FF movement, and you can see about the description of the absolution that the a part is there and a part it's in a in a flock that is another mighty networks uh, a platform that we are in, um, uh, just setting up and what you can what we are building in the back end it's precisely the whole system not just in a school it's the whole system education politics economics whole everything must be set up in a completely new cultural way to can bring a new civilization this is what we are doing and this is what we are sharing and we are sharing everything unconditionally for everybody and everybody Rupa, Gupret, everybody, no matter in which place of the world we are, can take and can use freely instead of copyright. Here is the right to copy because it's truly unconditional. And I just wanted to share uh, two, I, I just sent two, two links uh, to Lee. One is the Lumiere school system that for me, although I don't know deep how it works, the whole system. Uh, it's a system created by Ricardo Sembler more than 35 years ago in Brazil. It's amazing. In Netherlands, in The Hack, they have one school also of these Lumiere schools. And then I also sent uh, another link that maybe Lee can share also about the Kin schools. It is a system from the 80s in Russia that it's the most disrupting thing that that could be that is that the kids avoid completely the school and go to nature and, and completely follow their intuition. So if later you can, if something of this is in service of what you are doing, courage and, and, and here available if you need a, a hand for something and transferring wisdom, that is what we are doing, collecting wisdom in this video game called life and sharing it here and resources. And I'm sorry that for uh, Kat, I don't have wisdom or resources for for this moment i understand her frustration and her need but i i, I my attention it's in right now it's in building the new I, it's not possible for me focusing on on that nothing it's coming through through me on that sorry okay uh i want to know what you mean by multi-dimensionality because this is my daughter's work for the last 20 years Maybe you need to go to her website and check her out. Uh, pass the link, please, to, to pass the link. And then, or you can pass me the link directly by chat to me, or I guess through, through Lee, and then Lee can share it to everybody. Yeah, yeah, perfect. We have it here on, okay. on the screen. Thank you, Kat. I will check on that. Thank you. <laughs> One Thank of you, the Augusti. Things, yes. <laughs> One of the things that came through while you were speaking was if i correct me if i'm wrong but you're starting from the end game of Scylla's mighty heart <laughs> exactly that that's where you're starting yeah. and 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 we're like the bridges if we will yeah oh thanks cat i made a mistake in the typo thanks marianne um, it's Grandma Chandra, not Chandri.com. So, what I'm get, what I'm hearing you say is, 
wherever we're at in our own personal human development is to decide how am I going to live going forward? What am I, what am I choosing in each moment going forward? Am I choosing to continue to break my heart? Or am I choosing to say, okay, I've taken the stand. I'm moving forward. Can you, can you clarify if I'm on the right track? There is always a, you are always on the right track. There is no wrong track. There is no mistakes. Today I was watching a beautiful video of Richard Rat from the Jinkies about that there is no mistakes. And also the same videos about the free will, the free will of, of choice and the four different types of free will in relation to God and relation to the outside and the inside. So the important part on this feeling of choice, it's what in this course, it's intuition. At the end, you cannot make anything wrong. It's, it's the intuition. The war heartbreaking that you are saying, that what breaks our heart, it's where we put our attention. And as much as things are breaking our heart, we are going to try to fight them, to solve them. I, I, I know that Kat, if she could, she would carry it on her back, all of these Afghan peoples and go to the border. And it's what we do, because it's in our matter to save each other as a species and to fight. But at the same time, entropy works in duality. And it's, you, you must get exhausted of the savior energy on the hero's journey. Because until you lost absolutely anything, you cannot create a new. But that, for me, what means is that there is nothing anymore that you are attached to safe in the whole world, including your own world, your own safety, your own comfort zone. And it's not that suddenly one day Agusti wake up and say, I let it go of everything. No, I was pushed by myself in a higher dimension in a corner every day, every day, every day to let go and let go and let go and be more free and have more space inside instead of saving all the animals on the road that I was finding and saving all the women that were abused. At the end, there were a mere a projection of Agusti being abused by my wife. So instead of trying to saving myself in others, I end up exhausted. But nobody's wrong. Sila function in the whole holistic vision of the whole entropy flowing, it's helping the preventing wars, and that is also her part, her, her piece of the jigsaw. And we all carry one. You are carrying one setting up this call. And everybody doing their intuition, including all the elements in the start of the story of Sila on Iraq. The ones are screaming and the captain and the soldiers, all of them, there is no billions, there is no bad ones, there is no good ones. Everybody is a child in fear. When we see everybody as a wounded inner child trying to survive and trying to fight their fears, 
then we dissolve automatically any separation. And then we are able to create a wall for these beings, for everybody, it's unconditional it's for everybody, because the only separation inside, the only war in this planet, it's inside every one of us. Fighting for survive, but at the end, all of us, we want to thrive. This is what I'm feeling. And this course that you are do, doing is exactly that, is bringing you to this point of inner knowing that in any situation, instead of react, that is what we do in survival, you respond. And that's, that's free will, because that's not natural to respond instead of react. That's unseen. And that's the new, and that's basically a new human species. Some people that stop reacting on fear and start responding and dissolving conflicts like the Captain Lituanian saying, Neil, that's unseen. So it's gonna be a day where that will not be necessary because that will be the ordinary. Thank you, Augusti. Thank you so much. I, we've gone 15 minutes past the hour, and I have put into the chat ffmovement.org, which is Augusti and Vera's Absolutia project, which is very exciting. And Rupa and Gopreet, thank you. Kat, thank you. Um, is there anyone else who would like to bring forward any questions before I ask the beautiful Ruth Cherry to close us in a closing meditation? Anyone else like to respond? You can just unmute yourself and any other questions, comments? Okay, well, we're going to close it up and it looks like um, Ruth actually had to go I don't see her here anymore so Ruth is not here so I'll just uh, close us off by saying thank you thank you thank you Until we meet again, love yourself, love yourself, love yourself, because that's what life is all about. Peace, everybody. <laughs>